global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are higher 13 minutes to go ahead of the close. Stocks are advancing with sentiments susceptible to swings before Britain's vote Thursday on its European Union membership. Energy producers and technology companies leading the S&P 500 index toward back-to-back gains. Right now, we've got the S&P up 7 at 2,090, a gain of four-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up 11, a gain of two-tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials up 43 points, a gain of two-tenths of 1%. The 10-year down 4.30 seconds at yield 1.70%. Gold down 23.90 the ounce to 12.68, a drop of 1.9%. And crude is down 1%. West Texas Intermediate down 52 cents a barrel, 48.85 right now. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Charlie Pellet, thanks you so very much. Time now for the ETF report brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit sectorspdrs.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Now we turn to Bloomberg's Catherine Cowdery. It could become the biggest ETF smart beta craze so far. Every year we see some kind of a, you know, a craze, some, some area of ETF market beyond Vanguard and Schwab, uh, catches fire. This year it's low volatility. Bloomberg intelligence analyst Eric Balchuna says $13 billion is flowed into ETFs designed to minimize volatility. He adds that's double what currency hedge ETFs attracted in their first six months. Balchuna takes a closer look at the biggest, the iShares Edge MSCI Minimum Volatility USA ETF, ticker USMV. USMV typically has volatility at about 20% less than the S&P, so people do like the lower downside. And that's what's attracted investors to low volatility over the past like four or five years. But this year, this mad rush is a classic case of performance chasing. USMV has gained 7.7% since the start of the year, while the S&P 500 is up 2%. Baltuna says money has also been flowing into low volatility ETFs that focus on foreign countries and on small and mid-cap companies. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. If we are able to avoid Brexit and if the June jobs report comes in strong, is it possible that we could see a rate hike next month? So says our next guest, Bob Dahl. He is chief equity strategist for Nuveen Asset Management, and he joins us now from Chicago. Bob, thank you very much for being with us. Um, explain your reasoning here that if we avoid a Brexit vote on the 23rd and if the jobs report is strong or at least strong enough, we could see a rate hike in July. Certainly, Pim. Uh, we heard from uh, Jenny Ellen this morning, and she's indicated, look, they want to raise rates, but the conditions have to be right. Uh, Brexit is one of them. If Brexit happens, uh, I think there's no way they'll go in July. If Brexit doesn't, that's, you know, the first check mark, And then we have to reverse the horrible employment report we saw um, at the beginning of this month for the month of May. And then that gives us the opportunity to consider raising rates. If they don't go in July... I think they'll go in September, but July is not off the table if and only if those two things uh, happen. Okay. Uh, Bob, a lot of Fed watchers are saying you 
take a lot to get enough evidence by the next meeting that, in fact, the economy really has turned around or it shrugged, shrugged it off. Janet Yellen, made, she, she agreed in a way with you because she said, look, this could be temporary. Don't forget, you guys. Might be a one-month wonder. At the same time, though, uh, the, the four-rate hike view the Fed had at the beginning of the year has turned into two, maybe only one. The Fed seems to be saying now, Janet Yellen, that w- the world doesn't look the way they thought it would at the end of the year. It's a weaker economy, and it may not be bad for equities, but it doesn't seem to be uh, the kind of thing that's going to push the Fed quickly to the next hike. I agree, Kathleen. Look, I, I don't think July is a done deal if those two things happen. It just puts it back on the table. The, the Fed and, 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 and Janet Yellen said this. They do want to, quote, normalize rates, which means they want to bring them up. But they're at, they have said it's dependent on lots of things and all those cautionary comments, and I hear all those and agree. It's going to be slower than we originally expected because growth – especially globally, is a bit slower, and the whiff of deflation that shows up from time to time, leading to very low or negative interest rates in other parts of the world, are among the reasons why the Fed is taking the good old time. Well, Bob, in that good old time, investors, or at least people that are looking to invest their money, need to make some decisions. What should they do with it? Well, my view is we are going to get some better earnings, not great, but good enough in the second half of the year. We lap the horrible headwinds from lower oil and the rising dollar. And the horrible earnings recession that we've been through, minus 5% in the first quarter, probably minus a percent or two in the quarter that will be reported soon, i.e. the second quarter, paving the way for some possible up earnings in the second half. Up earnings are a necessary ingredient, in my view, to have a shot at a somewhat better market. And I'm not looking for big returns. I just think uh, stocks in the U.S. will have mediocre, but in a low inflation world, that's fine given the environment. Well, this is, uh, this is, I think, the, what's kind of underlying or behind the Fed's uh, slowdown this year. This, it really is a pretty dramatic shift in their view that I think they're realizing that it, it just, it is mediocre growth, and if earnings aren't rising, that's not a great sign either. But let's be a little more specific, because if I do want to put money in stocks, and I'd rather have mediocre returns than almost nothing on, you know, the safest bonds, where do I start looking, Bob? Where should I be putting money? Healthcare, energy, tech, what? Let me mention some, some factors that, that matter, some themes. I think you still want to own companies that get a lot of their business here in the U.S. Beware of the multinationals. Growth here is slow, but it's slower elsewhere. Number two, I think you want to focus on companies that are able to increase their throughput, more unit growth. And number three, free cash flow. In a slow growth world, free cash flow is king. Companies that are able to generate that tend to have more degrees of freedom. You find these three characteristics in lots of different places. Tech has more of them than most, um, but you find some in uh, healthcare, occasional consumer discretionary name, um, and the like. Uh, you know, at some point, if the economy continues to get a little better and the Fed starts normalizing rates again, this insatiable search for yield leading to these big outperformance of utilities at all will slow down. We're not there yet, but I think that will come. 
wonder if you could tell us what indicators you're looking at, perhaps even on a specific level. I know we're going to be getting FedEx results after the market closed today. That's an issue about volume versus profits, or indeed, can they turn increased volume into increased profits? And I look at the Dow Transport average, we're talking about a year-to-date change of just up under 2%. Pretty pathetic, isn't it? Uh, I'm looking at the PMIs, the Purchasing Manager Indices, and the ISMs, the Institute of Supply Management. These are indicators for parts of the economy that tend to be a bit more cyclical, the parts of the economy that have been depressed. Look, consumers doing okay, spending some money. It's manufacturing and foreign trade that has been troublesome along with capital spending, and we just need a little better news out of those areas. And, uh, you know, it's just a hope. It's not a given at this point. Not a, a hope and not a given. Uh, when you look at overseas markets, Bob, uh is there any place, do you have to get into more risky emerging markets? Is there any place where I can get better than mediocre single-digit returns? Well, it depends on your time horizon, Kathleen. If you've got a longer time horizon, if anybody has that anymore, I'm of the view that the emerging markets are in a bottoming process. I wouldn't chase them. They're up, they're up nicely year-to-date, as you know. But uh, I've not given up on the fact that uh, in the emerging markets, you've got high, uh, a lot of population, people moving from the lower class to the consumption class, and that's where some of the world growth is going to come over the next five to ten years. Bob, I always like to find out what is the most unloved investment that you hear about. You know, the, the, the free cash flow story is still not believed. You know, last year was the perfect example. Give me a fang stock, but don't give me a cheap cyclical that has good free cash flow. And while those stocks had a bit of a run, that is free cash flow, kind of from February to April as the market moved up, I still think they're unloved by most people. Unloved. Uh, give us uh, one of, I know you can't maybe talk about individual companies, but your favorite place right now and something where maybe I could outperform this very modest outlook for equity returns this year. Yeah, so I'll give names that fit most of the bills that we talked about before. Uh, McKesson is a, a reasonably um, conservative stock in healthcare. If you want to be more speculative and, and a name that's been down is Gilead. Uh, in technology, um, you know, uh, Big Bad Apple and Cisco, uh, to me, are a couple of names that, that fit the bill. Airlines have had a hard time. They don't look good technically, but if the, the prasms, the, 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 the revenue per seat mile begin to improve, which I think they will over the next quarter or two, uh, Delta or, or Southwest are, are names I'd put on the list as well. And, uh, gosh, anything in fixed income? Any corporates or new yeah, so, so within fixed income, believing that rates are going to creep higher led by the Fed, I think that's an eventual headwind. And maybe we saw the low in the 150s for the 10-year Treasury in terms of yield. So I'd be careful about duration. But we still think uh, munis where tax conditions permit are interesting. And we still prefer credit to sovereigns. Bob Dahl, we always prefer having you on our show. Thank you, Chief Equity Strategist for Naveen Asset Management. I'm Kathleen Hayes along with Pim Fox. The market closes upon us. Movers and shakers coming up on Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio.